You're listening to a Catholic Bible Study Podcast. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello, welcome to Form Now. My name is Dr. Ben Akers, and my guest today is Dr. James Prothrow. And we're in part two of a five-part series going through the glorious mysteries of the rosary. Last time we talked about the resurrection with Dr. Michael Barber. Today we're talking about the mystery of the ascension. And what we've been doing with these, going through these different passages of, that we meditate on our rosary, but we've been going to scripture. We're trying to mine the depths of scripture so that we can pray more fruitfully these mysteries. And Pope St. John Paul II said that the rosary is a compendium of the gospel. Mm, mm. And so that we can actually, we're actually praying the gospel. And so that's what I've really enjoyed about this series is having conversations with the professors at the Graduate School of Theology to help me pray more deeply these mysteries. So where do we want to go in scripture with the ascension? Sure. So um, the best place, the fullest account that you get of the ascension of Jesus in scripture really is in the first chapter of the book of Acts. Um, you get a little bit of it at the end of uh, Luke's gospel, uh, but it's just kind of a short end of the book preview before Luke starts his second book, which is Acts. Uh, and this is where, uh, where we get the fullest account here in Acts chapter 1. Um, uh, especially verses six through eleven. So, should we so should we just, read these out? Or? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, let's do it. So, we're in Acts chapter one. Mm-hmm. And where do you want to start? Um, let's start with um, uh, verse six. So, he's he's been with his disciples after the resurrection for forty days, um, uh, uh, and he's been talking with them. And now uh, uh, they're going to ask him a question. He's going to correct them, and then he is going to ascend, and they're going to be sort of left with this. Well, that's a good place to just to reminder that. So it's forty days after Easter Sunday. So mm-hmm. we're on the Thursday of the sixth week of mm-hmm. Easter is when we celebrate this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, though, depending on where you live in the world, the Thursday is transferred to a Sunday celebration. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Jesus is actually going to ascend into heaven on a Thursday. Day. So he p- picked a particular day. And is there, what's the significance of 40? I guess before we read this. Well, it's kind of <laughs> everywhere. Um, yeah. No, no so, so 40 is this uh, uh, number in scripture that uh, has a lot of different significances, but it, it always has to do uh, with people um, growing closer to God and at the same time, like not being there yet. So you mm-hmm. think about the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. They're growing closer to God. They're making some mistakes and getting some discipline for it, but they're growing closer to God. And it's after the 40, right, that they will receive the sort of fullness of their inheritance and God's promise. And at the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus says, hang out in Jerusalem until I send the promise of my Father, that's the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. And so Jesus has 40 days with them where they're in his presence, right? They're they're with him and they're learning from him. It says he taught them. Uh, and prove that he was really raised by various signs, but then uh, they're going to receive after the 40 days on the day 50 on Pentecost for the next mystery, right, they're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that really brings everything that God has promised together. That's neat. And, I, and as you're talking, just I, I thought about the bookends of his public ministry where mm-hmm. he begins his public mm-hmm. ministry with the baptism followed by 40 days in the desert. Mm-hmm. Now we've risen from the dead. He's defeated Satan, who was tested with at the beginning of his public ministry. Now kind of his la- last act of his public ministry mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. 40 days with the apostles before he ascends to the right hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're in Acts chapter 1, and what's the question that they ask and get corrected? So, so they all come together, it says in verse 6, and they ask Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
Remember all the, 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 the prophets had talked about the Messiah would come, right, and that he would be king, right? And so they're kind of looking for like, all right, so. Now it's time. So when, when's yeah. it going to happen, right? So you died, you rose, and now well, big kingdom. Well, and, and kingdom is actually one of the words that's most used by Jesus. If you mm -hmm. go to just a word analysis, I mm -hmm. think 90 times in the Synoptic Gospels coming out of the mouth of Jesus, he's talking about kingdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it makes mm -hmm. sense that they'd ask this question. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you kept talking about this kingdom. Now tell me about it. Yeah, it's not because they're dense, right? It's just because they, they, they're, looking, they're looking for the fullness of the promise. And what Jesus is going to do is respond to them. Uh, by telling them to wait. This is this so often in Scripture. If you think about the book of Revelation, in uh, Revelation chapter 6, the apocalypse, and the saints in heaven who are martyred are praying to God saying, Lord, how long until you avenge our blood and you t wipe sin away from the earth? And God gives them a robe and tells them to wait. And then they yeah. wait. And then the seals continue to break, right? And everything continues to go because it's in God's time to bring everything in completeness. Right? Um, I remember one of the saints said something along the lines of, uh, God doesn't always like, you know, work according to our time schedule, mm -hmm. but he's never late. That's right. right? Yeah. He's always yeah. on time. Yeah. He's never going to be late. We're late. We're, we, we want him to act faster, yeah. but he's always on Yeah, that's on right. Time. Yeah, Second Second Peter chapter three, uh, he's, mm -hmm. people are objecting to, but well, if he's coming back, why is it taking so long? And, and Peter says, God is not slow as some count slowness. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so so they ask him, okay, you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So they, they've asked about like, okay, so we're, we're there now, right? Right? Aren't we done? You died, you rose, ta-da. Now... Restore the kingdom to Israel. And Jesus actually says, wait, it's not for you to know the times, but then he directs them toward their mission mm. that they'll have once Pentecost comes, to go from Jerusalem to the rest of Judea and Samaria, right, those people of God who were kind of separate and, and, and pushed off, uh, and then to the ends of the earth, right? So actually what's going to happen really is that Israel, the people of God, is going to get a lot bigger because they're going to baptize everybody into the fellowship and the body of Christ. Um, this like this echo to the Old Testament reminds me of this new Joshua, just as Joshua in the mm. Old Testament said, "Go and take the land; land is yours." Mm -hmm. Now we have the new Joshua, the resurrected Lord, telling his men to go and take the land. But it's not just this small piece of land; it's yeah. the whole world. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, so in verse nine, then right after he said this, it says, "And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight." And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, like angels, right? mm -hmm. and said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem and blah, 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 blah. Right? Um, and so here's the, this is, this is the most detailed description you get in scripture of the actual event, the physical event of Jesus in his uh, risen and glorified body, uh, ascending to heaven, being lifted yeah. up into the clouds and sort of disappearing from their sight. And then the two angels, messengers from God say, why are you staring at the sky? <laughs> exactly, why He's are you looking up? Yeah, all right. He's going to come back the same way that he left. Get about it. And then they, they, they leave and they still have to yeah. pray and wait for the fullness of the promise at Pentecost to come to them. Right, so it should be 10 days later. So I'm sure that there's uh, hidden in here some Old Testament echoes. 
in the way that Luke tells this story? Are there some that you can mine for us here? Well, uh, Luke's big on it. So uh, in terms of echoes where you're looking for a particular phrase being the same kind of phrase as somewhere else, um, uh, 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 you can maybe uh, inform us on some of those. No, but no, there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of biblical uh, connections. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah that's what I was, that was a, yes, kind of the, the yeah. echoes, yeah. Between yeah, the two yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so honestly, this was one of the hardest mysteries for me to pray before I really started studying it. Because usually when I thought of the ascension, I thought, okay, well, he's done here. <laughs> Bye. Right. Thank you, Jesus, for being done, right? Um, or, or something like that, right? I didn't really get the significance of why he needs to ascend. Mm -hmm. But there's actually lots of places in Scripture from the Old Testament and then especially how the New Testament authors read the Old Testament that make this really significant. And they really open up, at least for me, and I hope for everybody else too, they really open up a lot of different things to meditate on when I think yeah, about please. the meaning of the ascension. Um, so the, the most important passage in the Old Testament is Psalm 110 for understanding the, uh, the ascension. So this psalm has something to do with, uh, if I remember correctly, the coronation of a king? That's right, right that's right. Except it, when the New Testament authors read it, it ain't just any king. So the psalm starts off, Psalm 110 starts off like this. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So this sounds, this will sound familiar to our readers who were paying attention during the Passion, mm -hmm. going into Christ. This is a kind of a trick, a passage that Jesus will throw out to, mm -hmm. to stump people. Mm -hmm. That's right. So when Jesus, Jesus will ask people after there's a, there's a period where he's in Jerusalem teaching after he's overturned the money changers tables and people start asking him all these questions to kind of test him. And then he throws one back and he says, all right, I got one for you. How is the Messiah David's son if David says, the Lord said to my Lord? So David is praying and he sees the king, right? God's anointed king, right? The capital M Messiah, right? But but he's not, but he's not, he's not David's grandkid. He's in heaven talking with the Father. Right? He's already there. And so Jesus is like, ah, eh, huh? Is he just David's great-grandson and, and no, now? And no one offers a response. <laughs> that's right. Like, and nobody can answer him any questions. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and so, uh, so that's a big deal. When Jesus is on trial in front of the Sanhedrin, and they ask him, are you the Christ? Right? Uh, in Mark's gospel, he says, I am. And he says, and you'll see the Son of Man sitting on the cloud, sitting at the right hand of power, right? Sitting at the right hand of the Father and coming with the clouds. Uh, uh, in heaven. And so uh, when the New Testament writers read this passage, they think about Jesus ascending and they think about how it shows, right, in a definitive way, Jesus being the Messiah, being mm -hmm. the Christ, right, being mm -hmm. the Davidic king. And then if we think further past that also, right, it's not just proof that he is the king, it's also like him getting up and sitting once again, glorified on his divine throne. So when I think about the ascension, one of the first things that I do is I think about like our, our new Adam and our new David. That we, you know, Adam's made to have dominion and rule over the, right, over the things of the earth. Uh, and yet he, he, he fails in that, right? He fails to be like God in a way that cares for and governs the creation uh, because he sins. And the new Adam 
Now a human being, right, but a divine and perfect human being, glorified, is on the throne in heaven at the right hand of the Father, mm. right? Um, uh, it's from there that he rules and reigns in providence over us. It's from there that he judges. So when we think about the mystery of that he will return to judge the living and the dead, right? Well, th this is this part is where of he's that. returning from. That's right. This is yeah. where he's coming from. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so that's, that's really, really key. Um, and then another aspect is uh, in John's gospel, uh, in uh, chapters 14 through 16, where he's talking with the disciples the night that he's going to be betrayed, uh, they're sort of worried about all of his talk of like, I'm going away. You're not asking me where I'm going. Right. Don't ask me that question. Right. And he's sort of talking to them and they don't understand. And he says, it's better for you that I leave. That's always been a challenging, yeah. So yeah. Uh, whenever I yeah. get there and the students will ask, what does he mean by that? How is it better that Jesus yeah. would leave? Yeah, that's right. So he says, it's better for you that I go because if I don't go, I won't be able to sit on my throne and send the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit, of course, is able to be everywhere all at once to make Jesus present in every heart in a way that when he's walking around in Galilee with his body and a nose and, and hands mm -hmm. and he can be in one place at one time, physically at least, um, right, he, he can't do that. So the Holy Spirit comes, right, to shed and share his graces abroad and to put the infuse, his, to, to live in us and infuse graces into us by, by, by dwelling in us, right? So that the Lord can actually be present in us and we can be connected to his body, right? Um, and so the ascension and then his sending the spirit, right? All the stuff that we get at Pentecost that yeah. we want to meditate on with Pentecost, that's because of the ascension, hmm. ascension, uh, according to John, um, which is huge. Yes, yeah. Um, also, so the book of uh, uh, some other things with that, okay? So just, uh, sorry, I'm going to- No, this is great. I'm, no, just, I'm just rolling. <laughs> no, no, this is great because when with Psalm 110, it also made me think of, besides the royal messianic psalm, where you are a priest forever. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like the, so you said new Adam, new David, and I'm thinking- that's right. That's also priestly language, right? Can we right. find what is Jesus? What is Jesus actually doing at the right hand of the Father uh -huh, until uh -huh, he comes uh -huh. back again? That's right. So the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, it talks this way. It does a whole bunch. If you want to see somebody in the New Testament really work with Psalm 110, read Hebrews chapters 7 and 8. And he walks through this psalm and he says, okay, we know Jesus ascended. and He sat down at the right mm -hmm. hand of the Father, right? Well, he's our high priest and he has a special eternal high priesthood. Well, how do we know this? Well, because in Psalm 110, he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. I'll make your enemies uh, stool or under, put the enemies under your feet. The scepter of power has gone out. Rule in the midst of your enemies. The Lord is sworn and will not change his mind. You're a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, this funny character that we meet in Genesis 14, right. who blesses Abraham and brings him bread, bread and wine. And wine. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> with the fact that Abraham brings yeah brings this priest uh -huh. that, or, or sorry, gives him tithes. That's right. Gives him homage, and then he does this mysterious sacrifice. That's right. And Hebrews says, right, well, this is a priest, but he's not like anybody else because this priesthood, this Melchizedek priesthood that the Messiah has, is forever. And what does that mean for us? Well, number one, right, it fits with Jesus because he has the power of an indestructible life. He doesn't get his priesthood by being the grandson of right. the high priest or the great, 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 great grandson of Aaron. He gets his priesthood because of the fact that he took his life back up again, mm. right? that he lives forever. And because he lives forever, then it says he's not like a normal priest. 
yeah. who's going to go and intercede for you and pray for you, and then he's going to die, and then who knows what the next one will do. And who's sinful. Yeah, and who's like, sinful. Like the other priests are sinful. Yeah. He's, he's sinless. Yeah, exactly. Jesus is sinless, and he's eternal. So when he intercedes for you, right, his intercession is eternal, right? It's ongoing. His offering, his one-time death on the cross is always being presented before the eyes of the Father because he in his glorified body that yet still has the scars, yeah. right? Like a, in Revelation, right? Like a lamb who was slain but standing up, right? Yeah. Who rose again is always there before the Father, right? And the value of his sacrifice is always there and it can be given to us again and again every day in the Eucharist. Um, so uh, when we pray about the ascension, right, one of the things you can think about is you can think about Jesus' high priesthood, right? We usually think about his death with that, but in Hebrews, right, it's the fact that he died and rose and ascended, just like a, a, a priest would walk into, right, present the offering to God uh, in the Holy of Holies, right, or in the holy place, yeah. or beyond the veil, right, would walk through to present the offering on the great day. Jesus has done that by, in his... He's, sacrificial body also being our priest and ascending to the heavenly sanctuary hmm. is what Hebrews being says. constantly hmm. present to the lord uh, to the father yeah. offering intercession for us that's right that's right and and because connected with that right you have pentecost and you have the holy spirit that also means that jesus as the one who rules in the midst of his enemies right and the one who sends forth his power promised to the church in the holy spirit it also means that his his being ascended connects to everything else. Mm. So here's a a, a a couple of little notes. Right? So in Philippians chapter three, Paul talks about the salvation that we know we have in Christ, the Savior we have, and that we're looking forward to the day that we're raised from the dead with bodies just like Jesus's. This is Philippians three verses twenty to twenty one. He says, "Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, from heaven, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ." who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. And you're like, yeah, that's wonderful. And you think like, okay, Jesus' resurrecting power to raise us is because he was raised. Well, yes, but also the resurrection and the ascension go together. And so what does Paul say? He'll transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body according to the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Well, what's having all things under his feet, all things subject to him? That's ascension language. That's about him sitting at the right hand of power. So Jesus' seat and his throne and his rule that he has uh, as our ascended Lord, right, um, uh, is is the sort of like the seat from which he gives all of these other gifts and graces, the one from which we hope, right, we will be raised from the dead, right, Uh, the one from which he sends out the Holy Spirit, right. Um, In 1 Peter 3, verse 21, he says the same kind of thing, except with baptism, right? He says, we have baptism, we have this clean conscience with God, right? Not removal of dirt from the body, but a clean conscience with God by the resurrection of Christ who ascended to put everything else under his feet, right? Mm. And if he's the one who's caring for us and loving us and giving us his, his, a share of his life and his power, well, then we know we can trust it and we know we can rejoice in it always. And we know that we ought to give him all of our allegiance because he's the king that's over everything. Nothing can beat his promise. Nothing can touch him. Everything is under his feet, right? So, and even the bad things in our life, we know are still under right, the power of Jesus and that he'll guide and direct everything as the one who's at the steering wheel of the universe for our good ultimately. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing all those wonderful insights. 
and helping us understand that the Ascension is not celebrating an absent God who's, mm-hmm. you know, good luck guys. I'll see you, you know, whenever I return and, you know, however many thousands of years, mm-hmm. but it's, I'm ascending to the right hand of the Father so that I can be with you by mm-hmm. sending you the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, pre- and we know that in confidence that Jesus is, Jesus gave us the assurance that I will be with you to the close of the age. That's right. And the That's way right. that he's going to be with us to the close of the age, one of the ways is through the sacramental economy of the church and his sacraments is where we meet Christ. So thank you, Dr. Prothero, for joining mm-hmm. me and, and, and helping me understand and helping us understand the some of the mysteries that's found in in the Ascension. Uh, Please join us next time where we talk about Pentecost, which happens 10 days after the Ascension of Christ. And thank you for supporting us through Mission Circle. We're grateful for your support and may the good Lord bless and keep you. You can watch this Bible study in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.